everybody. This is Dr. Sherry and welcome to Men Power Talks. So today we have a very special guest with us. His name is Michael Johnson. and I'm gonna let him um, give his background and tell you a little bit about himself. He is so powerful and I'm very, very honored that he's with us. So before he introduces himself, um, I just want you to know that we're still in our series on justice and the awakening of the African-American male. This is so powerful and we just look so forward to um, you listening to this powerful series. So Michael, please give our audience yes. a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you, Dr. Sherry. Um, so obviously, name's Michael Johnson. My background is that I grew up in Flint, Michigan, uh, and was raised there. And uh, from there, went to undergrad at uh, Western Michigan University. Lived in New York City and Chicago most of my adult life, and also went to graduate school at Northwestern University to get my MBA from Kellogg Grad School. Uh, I've been in pretty much finance all of that time, uh, some form, not whether it was uh, restructuring and accounting or investment banking or uh, currently commercial real estate and um, business acquisitions. And uh, I've had a, you know, a blessed career uh, getting out of Flint, doing things and, and having a, a great time. Married, two daughters, you know, which keeps me motivated and uh, two younger daughters. So I got to stay real motivated and try to stay <laughs> as young as possible with exercise. I'm pretty fit. Uh, the doctor tells me I'm healthy. So those are the things that are important. Uh, but like you, uh, I, am, I am touched mentally and emotionally by what's going on currently with all the the, the uh, police brutality and unjust things that are occurring to the African-American community. So love to talk about stuff like this and, okay. and about your take as well. Yeah, before we get into that, um, just a little bit about um, your background. It sounds like that you're, you know, um, I mean, you've done well for yourself. I mean, you've gone to some really great schools. Um, you're successful. you got a great family. I mean, you, you did well. Um, so that will take me into the first um, question. Being a successful black male, running your own business, um, going to great schools. Have you encountered any, um, I guess, I guess racial discrimination growing up even in, in, in some of your um, adult working world? Well, um, just for your reference that I forgot to man, as far as my background is current, I'm about six feet tall, I'm a black male. So okay. the answer <laughs> in a short section is, Absolutely, because I fit the description. So I've had a couple of occasions where I've been around real discrimination from police. And I'm talking guns drawn, uh, pulled out, me and a couple of friends um, that were literally just driving around and got pulled over because somebody, I don't know if you remember a grocery store called Hamity in Flint. But, mm -hmm. sure uh, supposedly there was some robbery that took place and it was, you know, a couple of black males. That's all they needed to hear. And when I say they rolled up, they rolled up at least 20 deep, guns drawn. You know, that was when we were in high school. Um, 
and no apology when they found out we were had nothing to do with it. No, not, it was just like, right. don't move. So I, I didn't grab driver's license, nothing. I was too young to to get when too you, cocky with it because you know with that type of ammunition, you know you're out, you're out gun to say the least. So that was then what was the more interesting one to me and all of us bad, right? But there was a time where I was working for Chase Manhattan Bank and I had a friend working for Orlando Lakes, which was the, you know, most people know as the butter. Mm -hmm. um, and he was coming up from Philly. So we decided to meet each other. I was in New York City. He was coming up from Philly. We met each other, Fort Lee, New Jersey, right across George Washington Bridge. And literally, we just, you know, got in touch with you. So let's just meet at the Burger King. There's a Burger King. Go in the parking lot. We'll meet there. And we met there just talking. You got to remember, I'm in a suit. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the time, I'm driving a, a nice European car. Uh, he's got his company car. And we were just enjoying each other's company. And next thing you know, four uh, police cars pulled up. Now, this is an open parking lot. Others are driving through, getting their orders. A lot of other people hanging out in the parking lot as well. They came straight towards us. Hands on the guns. Now, this situation, they didn't have them pulled out. They weren't drawn. But they literally harassed us, got us out of the car, wanted to know why we were there. And at that time, me and my friend were a little more cockier about who we were. And we started talking back to a certain extent, like it was wrong. Why are you talking to us? And then they start unloosing the guns and putting their hands closer. So that's when we were like, all right, hold up. <laughs> we don't have guns. Their assumption was that we were doing a drug deal is what they said. And that Fort Lee had become a hot spot for that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is we were nothing like, I wasn't dressed like a, I mean, I, if you want to give somebody a description that they're six feet tall, black male, they must be doing drugs. Yes, did not fit the description. Otherwise, there was no description for me to fit. And I remember how powerless I felt at that time because it had mm -hmm. nothing to do about the supposed success that I had. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. You right. were not. And then the interesting thing around is that everybody else in the parking lot was looking over, pretty much all white. Right. Nobody else was getting harassed. No one else had been approached. So you asked me if it has ever happened. I just gave you two off the top of my head, other mm -hmm. ones that are more subtle, but those two are the most blatant. Mm -hmm. And the second one to me was like, it does not matter what level of success you achieve as an African-American male, you can still get in those situations pretty quickly. Okay. So how old were you, um, the, the first one when you said you guys were in high school? I was probably 15, 16. I just started driving. So I got my permit, I think I was 15 years old. I literally had just started driving. Yeah, right? I mean... It yeah, and that's trauma, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, parents try to raise your kids the best they can, you know, and they don't want trauma to happen no. to their children. No, and then the don't. police is blatantly causing major, major trauma. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there was no trust from there from then on in regards to police, as far as I was concerned. They were not the good guy. That was true. They were never really the good guy in my hood anyway. Right. But they definitely went to being the bad guy for sure, as far as I was concerned. You just couldn't trust them. Right. And you know, and I wonder, did that message ever get out in a black community like, don't call the police because they're not your friend or 
It, may it never had to be said to me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if it was a real traumatic situation where we needed real help, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I never, it was kind of subtly said throughout, because remember, you know, at that time, Flint was 70% black, mm-hmm. maybe 60 to 70% black. I never felt like we were lesser than any other race. I always felt very empowered that we were just as powerful. Right. Or sometimes better, you know. <laughs> exactly. More the opposite, right? You didn't see the difference then. No. Yeah. So I was, no, there's, there was no race that was superior for sure. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I always approached that I could handle the situations without the police if necessary. And what I've seen police do as far as the brutality, it was not, it was not helping my, my interpretation. So I would not have, no one ever said, don't call. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't reach out unless it was absolutely necessary. Absolutely. And so that's just um, speaking of yourself. So what about others, um, close friends or relatives? Have you, um, have they told you that they've experienced the same type of things? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty consistent. Okay. Uh, I know. A lot of people like myself, I didn't go around telling those two stories. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until maybe, I think about five or seven years ago, I got on a panel and they asked me had I ever experienced, had anyone on the panel ever experienced discrimination? And I brought up that, right? Mm -hmm. And I then reached out to the other friend who was there and he was like, oh my God, I was just thinking about that the other day. And then he just brought it up to me recently when this happened. Mm-hmm. Like we were that close to something stupid happening uh, that could have. Ooh, yeah. So absolutely, we've been there. Um, I've known relatives. I've known friends who mm-hmm. talked about it uh, from occasion. But a lot of people don't talk. It's, sometimes it's so common. It's not even, at least until recently, mm-hmm. it's so common. It really wasn't, unless you got shot, you know, totally beat down die right right it become a major topic now it'd be the camera phone <laughs> changed the game because yeah, you're like, i'm you're telling clear. you <laughs> it changed the game right because like, even no. the, the the body cams on the police i mean that's not doing what the the citizens are doing with these no, camera the camera i mean come on if you know police <laughs> you know they can alter the i mean I never trusted the body cam because I'm like, it will automatically disappear from something bad or mm-hmm. be edited. I, I never trust it, but- Or it takes so long for them to release it. Absolutely. Right. But with the, especially if it's a live stream mm-hmm. from the camera, oh my God, that just changed the game. <laughs> so now, you know- Oh, it's something. When, they put it on Facebook because it's happening. <laughs> so when my Caucasian friends used to say, well, you might be exaggerating a little bit. It's not as big. Now, mm-hmm. you see, we were not exaggerating. Right. Now you see that, you know, there was an intent of enforcing their superiority because they got the gun. Yeah. Somebody in high school who had a very small ego, wants some power, could be jealous of you because of your success, or just think of you as an animal. Mm-hmm. This is their time to show off at the police department right. and have that type of power. And-, and-, and no, that's a really bad apple. So, you know, I got into an argument with a neighbor of mine. You know, I live in a neighborhood that is mostly Caucasian. Mm-hmm. We're on a bike ride. And he just suddenly said, yeah, you know, the 10%, the 20% of bad cops make it bad for all. I was like, 10 to 20%? 
I disagree. I think the culture is closer to 60 to 70%. When you look at who will speak up, who will have their brothers back, the culture of it's the blue, you know, uh, the blue line you don't cross or whatever. No, I, I think it's a really bad culture that exists. And I don't think it's just a few bad apples. I think there's a ton of police or bad apples because they've got the mentality that they have the power. Yeah. And they make the final decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, you wonder where all this um, narrative of defund the police and, you know, where is that coming from? Um, and it's because of the culture, as you put it, probably. It just needs to change. It needs to be revamped. I mean, absolutely, drastically. Right. You, if someone's having a mental breakdown, why are you sending the cops? Like, if they're going to use deadly force on a mental patient, this right. is not a good use. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't kill my person who's having a schizophrenia attack. Don't kill my right. son or daughter or whoever when they're going around saying they see aliens. You know, right, right. You shouldn't be called for that because you haven't been trained to deal with it. So I'm, I'm a fan if it could be, I don't know if it'll actually change. And that's one of the big things I, I'm concerned with. I like all this movement. I just hope that it actually leads to real permanent. Real change, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, in, yeah, and, and, and in African-American communities, because it's not that way in all communities. If, it, if mental illness in certain communities, they're arrested and they're taken to the next place. Right. So many people are, but so many times in the African American community, they never get to the next place. No, because you're you're categorized. You're in, look. I could go on and on about this because it's I'm pretty passionate about. But oh my mm-hmm. God, you think about it. The guy who went into South Carolina, supposedly prayed with the church and then shouted up, mm-hmm. walks out, handcuffs, taken in custody. Didn't look that bruised. I don't. I wasn't there, so I don't know if they beat him up or not. But somebody does a twenty dollar fake bill to mm-hmm. buy, and he ends up with a, a knee to his neck for eight and a half minutes. Wow, that's just a huge difference. You see that one person still is human, even though he just shot and killed that many people. But you see this one as inhuman because he's been drinking or whatever your cause is. You know, it's, yeah. it's there's no comparison. None. Yeah. So yeah, defund them. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So I wanted to find out a little bit about your sentiments when you and you just um, talked about it just a little bit. But um, as you were watching what was going on with George um, Floyd and the impact that it's had on the nation, you know, what has come up for you? Um, when you really kind of reflect on it? Well, first thing comes up is um, how, you know, obviously it's been, like, it's nice I didn't sleep. I'm like, why am I so anxious? Well, the reason why is first it was COVID. Now it's watching a man die Mm -hmm. unnecessarily. And this is not the first time. Like you would think, would garner, even if the police get off, you would think they go, wait, so we gotta stop doing that. Like we can't choke people out. We can't kill people because the camera's on. Here you have a situation where you know you're being recorded. 
and you still know you'll get away with it. Because the guy who killed Garner, he got, he got off. Right. Right? I watched uh, a video this time of the um, Hamon community in Minneapolis where a gentleman and her, his, you know, their mother's, but he got, he was running away. It's clear, some video. They shot him nine times. Not, not African-American. And they planted the gun, and it's proven he planted the gun, and the police still got off. He's back working for the police department. Wow. So it makes you feel like if they won't stop with this much visibility, they are truly protected. So it makes you feel, it makes me feel a little, it's sometimes powerless. Like, how can I really inflect change without pulling out my gun and start trying to shoot back, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you're like, how does this get done? If you feel, but I've been very pleasantly surprised at the reaction so far. You're right. The outrage nationally on it. The other thing I go to is that I've got two daughters. Um, and hopefully they'll be dating, you know, eventually when they get older. Mm-hmm. And what does that world look like for them when right. you've got an African-American male or them? There's, you know, because it, yeah, it happens to African-American females. Women getting smashed too, right? So, you know, I could see one of my daughters wondering why she being bothered or walking out of Airbnb and having the police come up thinking that she just stole something when actually she just paid for that Airbnb for the week, right? Mm-hmm. Which we know happened. Mm-hmm. Like these ladies go in an Airbnb, leaving in that community since they did not know she should be there. They call the cops. That is, so it, it makes me wonder what are we what are we leaving for this world? Then it also makes me think, should we be getting the hell up out of here? You know, <laughs> and, and that's it. Some people are having that conversation too. <laughs> You know, is, yeah. is Ghana the next spot? Is, uh, you know, where, where should we be considering moving? Because, you know, I, I understand we're in a European-dominated society, but it does feel very frustrating that this continues to happen over. And here, after Floyd, you get another situation where someone decided to use power, right? Mm-hmm. The real lethal power to kill someone because... He's unarmed. He has a taser that he took from me when we got into a scuffle Mm -hmm. to teach him a lesson. I'm going to show him I can take his life. I'm not going to man up and take it back. He's running away from me. I'm not going to let him get away because he's sleeping in a parking lot. Yeah, just, yeah. Why, why wouldn't just let him get away? Why couldn't I got to kill you? I have to kill you to show you that you, you have to learn not to run from cops and that I have the ultimate power. Isn't that crazy though? Like this is after, this is after Floyd. Wow. This is after him. And you still feel the power that I can do this. That's my reaction. I've been trained to shoot, to kill. Your life is not in danger. He's running away. And it's because he was sleeping in the parking lot. So anyway, you ask me how I feel, that gives you a little bit of it. Right, right. It is very, it is very, very emotional. And I think today is a, it is exhaustive emotionally. I don't even know um, the other story about the guy who was hanging in California. Um, so I was looking at that too. So 
um, there's just so much going on right now. Um, and definitely, you know, the nation needs prayer. Um, we leadership. Need, it needs leadership. Um, we need everything, you know, and we, we're thankful, you know, for our other cultures are, who have come together, you know, with the African American, um, just the African Americans as a whole, because there are so many um, people who are with us, you know, right. there's so many good people. Don't want to forget them. Internationally. Internationally. Yeah. yeah. Internationally. So that's truly exciting. So um, do you think or do you feel that things are getting better with all of this um, going on? You know, um, legislation is being changed as things are going on. You know, uh, lawmakers are making changes. You know, so I I watch this with a cautious eye just because we've all been burned before here, right? So am I hopeful? I'm pretty much an optimist. Yes. However, I'd like to see what it looks like a year from now. I'd like to see two years from now to be able to say, this is what the momentum was like within the first 30 days, but this is where we are a year from now, two years from now, three years, because there is a section of the Caucasian society that does not, that are fearful that their power is being taken away from them, right? So if all these sweeping changes take place, what's the retaliation? If any, but, I, you know, I don't think Trump is as ignorant of his words and his actions as he, as people try to, uh, my, for him, people I do business with say, oh, he's, he didn't mean it that way. And no, I think he's pretty calculated in what he's saying and what he's doing. And he knows there's a population that want to stay in power and have that right that they're a superior being than who we are. So, you know, we're not even asking for, we're not asking for superiority. We're not even asking for them to have less power. We're asking for just an even playing field, right? Even playing field. Just That's an it. even playing field. Yeah. And you would think by now we've proven that we deserve to be at the table. Like you can't say that after Americans can't read, can't write, can't be successful, can't do this, can't do, it's been proven so many times if they'd open their eyes. But yet, you know, they still want the system rigged to give them that 200 yard head start in this race. Mm -hmm. And it's, come on, like just make it even. So I'm hopeful, uh, I'll say this, I'm hopeful that it does make a change this has been a little different reaction than some of the others that have faded out pretty quickly. I don't know if it's because of COVID. I don't know if it's because a lot of stuff isn't available right now because it's shut down. <laughs> so let's but it didn't go away after three nights it of being upset. Yeah. It is still ongoing, you know, and I'm seeing it places I go and I'm having my Caucasian friends and Asian friends and others mm -hmm. call me and ask my opinion. And so you hope that the feeling is there and that it doesn't go away where it doesn't make an impact. And, um, but I, I, I'm concerned that there's going to be some retaliation, just like with Barack Obama becoming president of their country. 
And I said their country from their point of view, right? That's, that's an interesting take on it. There is, there's retaliation for that. And their thing is, oh, we need to show you who really has the power. Okay. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, that is a pause. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pause right there. Sherry, I'm hoping that is, you know, again, I'm optimistic. I really hope that there is real change and change just for fairness, not, mm-hmm. you know, swing it the other way and we put our knee in your neck and kill you for eight minutes. That's not what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for just fairness. Give us an even playing field. Even playing field. So I'm gonna um, um, interject just a little commercial um, for Men Power Talks, and then I'm gonna have you come right back and okay. give us some, just some um, tidbits on what do you think can be done to right some of the wrongs for the next generation. Mm-hmm. So to our audience, I just want to say, you know, this has been a great conversation with Mr. Michael Johnson, who is just an awesome brother. Um, but I do want to talk about a little bit about the podcast and why it was derived. It's really to speak to men, to give them a space where they can talk about um, things that are important to them in areas of finance, health, and relationships and to really um, give um, best practices coming directly from men so that they can be empowered, um, so they can, they can win in those, in those areas. So we just wanted to put a plug in. And also, um, Dr. Sherry, I'm a certified coach, um, certified through the International Coaching Federation. And then if any man needs um, their own personal coach, um, please give me um, a shout out at www.menpowertalks.com um, and I'll be glad to get back with you. So, Michael. Yes. Just getting back with you. Do you have just any suggestions on what you think um, America can do to right some of the wrongs that has happened specifically to African American males? So, uh... I, it's hard for me to limit just African-American males because African-American women have done so much and mm-hmm. sometimes get to shorten and stick on that as well. But let's, let's, if we try to stick to African-American males, there's a couple of things that come out to me. Mm-hmm. I think um, the economic swing as much as possible is important in this capitalistic society we deal in. So I've always been an advocate of trying to accumulate and redistribute our wealth within our community as much as possible, right? Because the more we build up that power, there is a certain section that respects that. You have to have the political power on it as well. It's not a game that I know and play very well. I know more of the economics, but you've got to, you've got to do that. And in, in leveling off of that, go into things such as, you know, it's real simple to say, you know, Kaepernick, it was wrong what we did with Colin. Let's give him a, a job again in the NFL. And my response to that, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Not enough. Uh, let's get an owner. Let's get a couple of African-American owners in the NFL, right? Yeah. Let's get the 25%, 30% coaches that are African-Americans in the NFL. And that's just giving you one example. The same thing goes to the S&P 500. You know, how many people are on the board? 
How many right. African American males? It's not like we're not getting down in the community. Like, been in banking for years. You see very few really on major boards across. And when you do, everyone celebrates them, which is great. I think we should. Mm -hmm. But if you go in those boardrooms, it's usually one, maybe two. Mm -hmm. Worse for African American women. Yeah. So, you know, you want to make an you, America, you want to help out? Do something like that. Let's start putting them in a position. Same thing as far as policing in our communities. We have some African American police officers, but we need to have probably more, more than are doing dealing with our community and understand and care if one of our brothers or sisters die, uh, versus them being those animals that we've got to go deal with. Um, as far as legislation, I've seen a decent amount. I saw Cory. Cory Booker was putting out his along with um, Kamala Harris, and I'm hopeful those changes actually take place. Um, but execution and um, real implementation that can stay in power, I have my hesitation that all of it will work. I'm hopeful that it's done. But mm -hmm. to me, the one thing that we seem to be able to control is that we can get more economic power, build our base, and then do what others have done, which is build up their lobbying, build up their advocates, build up their, their constituency to go in and say, this is how the law will go down and here's how we feel. And if you push back, here's how we're going to come at you again, legally, right? So it, it's all intertwined, but for me, the base of it starts with the economics. That's, okay. that's me because that's what I know. Okay. Well, let me ask you one question around economics. You know, there's all this talk about reparations. How do you feel about reparations and do you think that could work? <laughs> so, um, you know, usually you get the pushback, you know, how do we know you were even descendant of slaves? And how do you, you know, you got to prove it. And then they go, well, you can't prove it because we just kind of snatched a few people and we kept good records for a while, but you can't really prove it was, you know. Do I like reparations? I actually do. I think it should happen. I think it happened for a lot of other cultures in so many different ways whether you want to call it reparations or land ownership, whatever you call it, bottom line, it happened. But for us, it has not happened. And if you don't want to do it that way, you need to find another way. If you don't want to just say, here, cash, that's fine. I've read up on a couple of those options. Mm -hmm. But if that is too much for you to take, then do some of the other stuff. You can't, you can't be a public stock, public company, and you cannot have no African-American, men or women, on your board. Should be, no, it's too many of us as consumers that contribute to your company for you to ignore us. Right. And it, is that reparation? Why not? Again, their head start is so far in advance and I'm talking wealth upon wealth, wealth that they accumulated based on the backs of our slavery uh, in many cases and a number of other situations. You know, you get Caucasians say, wait a second, only 5% of Caucasians ever owned slaves. Yeah, but you kind of benefited from that because you were able to get that job quick enough. You obviously got the assumption of the white privilege that comes along with that. Things of that nature that contribute to you having more wealth. You may not have said, yes, I'll be a slave owner, but you sure did take the economic benefits of when the slave ownership period occurred. And if not you, your ancestors. So, yes, I'm all for reparations if it can be done. I think it's going to be one hell of a fight. Um, to get that to go through because I think there's a huge part of the country that will mm -hmm. that will not go for it. Okay. 
Well, I want to um, wrap this up and thank you so much for coming on to Empower Talks. What a great you. conversation. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Have a great day. All right, you too. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye.